Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family, do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We all get the privilege to serve the Lord's church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of media and community outreach. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. Uh, you guys are all our Continue to turn in great questions. Here's a few ways that you can do that. You can email to three questions podcast at myshbc.com, and that's with the number three at the front. You could text 505 258 2076, or you can go to the website myshbc.com slash contact. And those questions will be kept anonymous. And, uh, yeah, we, we, Daniel, what if I want to fax my question? <laughs> you know, I've actually been really surprised here lately at several business cards and things like that, that had a fax number. Still have a fax number yeah. Yeah. I yeah. guess that's still a thing. I, I it, fax it. We'll go to Cracker Barrel and pick it up. <laughs> they, they've still got a fax machine. There. It all, everything works at Cracker Barrel. That's right. so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is, it is like America's fun part. That's right. But back to the facts so we don't take facts. Hey, okay. hey did okay. you guys know that Daniel Snow and Ruffin can go out to uh, Missouri? What's the name of the park again? Uh, oh, um, Silver, Silver Dollar, Dollar City. City. Yeah. They can go to Silver Dollar City anytime they want. Ruffin just walks up, shows his ID, he goes straight in. I found that out, that Ruffin's been there over 30 times. Yeah, and just waltzes wow. right on in. It's Lifetime unbelievable member. the people that... That rough and snow knows. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted the people to know that. He's You're a hero. Winning friends and influencing people. He's a legend, that's for sure. Yeah. He loves those yeah. roller coasters. Guys, help me to remember this time next year, I'm not going to make a Final Four prediction like I did the last <laughs> week because I got several texts. Thank you, <laughs> Daniel. You're welcome. Yeah. I just, you know, wanted to make sure you knew about kind of the... I was aware that Gonzaga lost. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you also <laughs> aware that Houston made it the farthest out of this group? Yes, yes that was right. true. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, my yeah. my Cowboys didn't. Uh, they didn't go as far as I thought they would. <laughs> they're exactly where they're supposed to be. Okay, I'm going UNC. So we'll see. Are you? Is that what you're doing too, Jeremy? Yeah, because they've got Larry from the Prairie on there. You know, from yeah, OU. That's right. Yeah, that's mm. right. They stole him, but hey, well, he looks good there. We'll be gracious. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. First question. And I, this is, I'm just going to say this was turned in by a teenager and it's awesome that, that this teenager is thinking through these things. Um, the question is, what does Isaiah mean in Isaiah 65 one? And, and it says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. So. Of the wonderful text. Isaiah is one of those prophets that, in fact, Daniel and I were just talking about this a little bit ago. He's one of those prophets that sometimes is hard to follow when you read because of the fact that he does prophesy into the future, but he speaks in present tense. Mm -hmm. uh, and now you have to remember that Isaiah was prophesying almost a full century prior to the fall of, of, of Jerusalem to ne uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, mm -hmm. and the Babylonian invasion and all of that. But I think uh, this text is, is 
you always need to read any text and set it in the, the where it is in Scripture. Read the context around it. And to really understand the first verses of 65, you got to read 64. Mm-hmm. Because chapter 64 is like the God's people suddenly accusing God of abandoning them. You know, it's a, where have you been? Why don't you come down and do something? You know, please come back and, and, and do mighty things again. And so then you have God's response in, in 65 one. And what he really says is saying, I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. I've, I've been here. I've been ready to, to work among a people who refuses to, to call my name. You know, I've, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm here to be found, but you don't want to mm-hmm. seek me. Uh, you know, and so, and I just think, man, what a text that's applicable in our day to day. And how many times in the life, maybe in our own lives, but in other, and we've seen in society where people want to lay blame for their situation at God's feet and say, well, where were you? You weren't listening. You were, you were asleep. You weren't, you weren't paying attention. You know, and God has to remind us, no, I'm the same today, yesterday, and, yeah. and forever. I'm always with you. As God meant, or as Doug mentioned the other day uh, in his sermon, you know, what makes us unique is that God is with us right. always. Right. And so this is kind of sort of God's response to a people who incorrectly were accusing him of abandoning them. And, and Randy, boy, that's good. I think a lot of times... Especially, and Daniel, tell me what you think about what I'm about to say. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited already. <laughs> that as Americans, we love to make personal the application of Scripture. As American Christians, we love to make personal, but sometimes we overpress it and we read Isaiah 65 1 and we try to think Isaiah is saying that about himself. Yeah, right. Isaiah is not saying that about himself. Yeah, I think we do have a tendency to want to rush almost sprint to the personal application. Um, and we need to stop first and think about, okay, what's what was the original intent, original author, original audience? Okay, because that's going to help. We do, we can still make personal application, but let's, we, we need to, it can't say now what it didn't say then. That's so, so good. That's right. That's, that's so right. good. And, and again, that historical setting of Isaiah is, uh, and of course we can't tell exactly where it was historically when he wrote this, but it was either just prior to or just after the Assyrian invasion of the northern kingdoms. Okay. So, um, you know, because which would happen in 722. Mm-hmm. And so he was he was either lamenting what he just saw or prophesying about what was yet to come. But uh, in either event, I think what we have is God through his prophet basically saying, and, and something we and can apply God to. is speaking. God is speaking in 65, right? 64. You're not, you're not seeking me. That's right. 64 is the people speaking, you know, and you can go back and look in verses like, um, like one, two, and three, you know, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, kindle the fires again, do awesome things like you did, like you've done before. You know, it's, it's the people going, our world's crumbling. Everything's coming apart. Where are you, God. And then 65.1, it's almost like a Job thing. Mm-hmm. It's God responding uh, to, to a people who are going, where are you? And he's saying, I'm here. I've been here. I'm ready I've to always, be found by someone who's I'm not even looking for me. I'm ready to be found. Yeah. Right. But you didn't seek me. You know, you've, I'm here. You didn't call upon me. Right. It's almost it's that picture of God saying, here I am, here I am. But the nation of Israel saying, 
I'm busy, not interested, spoken for, or almost I'm, I'm in a relationship. Like if, if we're talking about social media status, it's pretty much the status of I'm in a relationship. I mean, they're chasing, (laughs) I mean, they're chasing all these other sources, which were idols and things for hope and satisfaction. And God's like, here I am, here I am. Yeah, that is so good. I think Rome, I think Isaiah 65, one and two finds echo in Paul's Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his love toward mm-hmm. us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ not looking for him, that's right, totally in rebellion against him. He died for us. Yeah. 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 And it also is a little bit of a reminder, remember to a people, uh, you know, back in Deuteronomy 27, 28, 29, you know, right before they go in to possess the land. And I bet Moses must say a dozen times in those two or three chapters, you know, as he's prophesying, as he's sharing God's word, if you will keep my commandments, if you will faithfully follow me, then this land's going to be a land of milk and honey. You're going to prosper. You're going to spread. But if you rebel and if you chase after the gods of the nations, then you're going to be, you're going to suffer consequences for it. You know, and, and Isaiah is just, it's, it's a little bit of a reminder that God, God is faithful to his word, whether that's for blessing or for punishment. That's good. Okay. All right. Thanks guys. Next question is, I was thinking about pastor Doug's sermon. Check that out. That's pretty great. That's encouraging. That's how it It starts. I was thinking about pastor Doug's sermon on Psalm 23 and about a recent Sunday school lesson on the messianic nature of Isaiah 53. And this was my question when reading Psalm 23, when reading Psalm 23, could it be prophetic of things Jesus would do in addition to showing us how the Lord is our shepherd, Jehovah Rohi? Randy? Okay, so he was reading Isaiah 53 and, and understanding the obvious messianic references there, but his question so is, is, is asking Psalm, Psalm 23, 23 have the same? Oh, I, I think so. I mean, I think one of the basic tenets of of understanding scripture of, of hermeneutics is everything in scripture points to Jesus. Sure. You know, and so everything from, from creation on, I mean, that's why when we talk, when we oftentimes see uh, the road to Emmaus where it says, you know, Jesus went back and like from Moses and the prophets, right. he explained himself. He talked about himself to, mm-hmm. to them. So yes, absolutely. Psalm 23 has a, a prophetic element. Now, was it specifically meant to say, look to look for this as, as a sign, like mm-hmm. Isaiah 53 was? Isaiah 53, we look back. <laughs> hold, hold, hold the phone, Mabel. <laughs> oh, did, did, so did anybody else feel an earthquake? Tell you what, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Okay. Doug's throwing, I'm sorry. throwing technology was, around. I'm sorry, all of our people. No, seriously. <laughs> Every one of the homes, they, oh yeah, sure you were making spiritual. I was reaching for my Bible and hit my microphone. I'm, I'm so sorry, Randy. Pick back we're up. We're all okay. I, uh, yeah, let me okay. just Everybody's let the audience fine. know everyone's nope. okay. Everyone's okay. I will not edit this out. This will be left in. Yeah. No pastors were hurt in the making of this audio. So. <laughs> Randy, pick back up where you were. <laughs> Continue that thought. Yes, let me let me pick up right where. We were. Okay, Psalm twenty three, right? Yeah. There obviously everything that Psalm twenty three teaches us about a good shepherd 
mm-hmm. applies to Jesus. Yeah. You know, and finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Now, is Psalm 23 what we would technically call a messianic psalm or a messianic passage? Probably not, uh, you know, because it wasn't pointing to a specific That's time, right. place, activity, event that would help Israel see, oh, this is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Like Isaiah 53 was Daniel prophesied that way. Uh, you know, Zechariah's prophecies, all, all Micah's prophecies, all of those pointed to specific events. He'll ride in on a on a cult. He'll be born between between this date and this day. All of those things. Mm-hmm. But yes, everything about it that talks about our Father, God is a good shepherd, finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Absolutely. And and if we remember, Jacob picked up on that in Genesis chapter 48. He says, the God who has shepherded me right. all of my life. And so it's not even David who came? This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, we see that in Genesis forty-eight, mm-hmm. Psalm twenty-three, John chapter ten. Jesus picks up mm-hmm. with that picture, that motif of "I am the shepherd." The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews thirteen. This beautiful benediction, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so maybe just to kind of summarize what we're saying here is to say we're not going to say that Psalm 23 is prophetic since the New Testament doesn't claim that. It's not like as intent- a technical prophecy. Right. But we can absolutely see Jesus in it and apply Psalm 23 to his earthly life and ministry. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. because there are messianic psalms and we always sure. we need to yeah. understand that right. man. There are you will not uh, 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 leave my body in body and shield. There will be no broke no broken bones. Those That's are right. All, the those Psalm twenty two. Yeah, the Psalm verses. right before this. Exactly is right before this. Absolutely right, right, which is completely a messianic prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and Jesus Himself evokes it. That's exactly on the right. Cross. That's yeah. exactly right. And so, like I said, I think that's. Uh, that's a little bit of a technicality maybe, but I, as when we're interpreting scripture, but when we're looking for things that we would say are specifically a prophecy about the Messiah, those are usually verses that are meant to not be ambiguous. They're trying to specifically, God's pinpointing and pointing a big bright orange arrow at Jesus and saying, mm. this is the guy that fulfilled this passage. That is so good, which is a great scriptural principle that you guys, whenever we're reading the Bible, oftentimes we talk about we should never take a, tear a page out of the Bible. You can't right. just not, but it's equally dangerous and wrong to add, try to make the scripture say something it's not saying mm-hmm. Yeah, to adding to. We're not to take away, but yeah. we're not to add to yeah. scripture either. Now, I think later on, you know, when Jesus does say, I'm the good shepherd, mm-hmm. I imagine that probably invokes Psalm 23 in the mind of everybody who heard it. That's you know, a good God point. is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. And when he says, I'm the good shepherd, then, you know, I think he's obviously trying to make a, a connection there with just as God is my shepherd, I'm I'm the shepherd. Yeah, I am the ultimate good shepherd. That's okay, good. awesome. Next and last question for today. Does believing the Trinity view of modalism disqualify you as a believer 
why or why not? Let me take this one, Daniel. <laughs> Go for it, Jeremy. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, so probably the first thing we need to do is just because, okay, I was just thinking about this the other day. Like any people that are in an industry or in a hobby or anything else, there is vocabulary that goes along with that that they just say and they know whatever they're talking about. But if you're not in that, you might not. And that happens to me all the time because I'm around people who are really smart about a lot of things that I have no clue. Or just Lydia talking from the back seat. There's vocabulary. <laughs> yeah, that's, that. right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So I need some definitions. And so, so that being said, with modalism, I think it would be worthwhile just to define what that is. Um, so that view of the Trinity is saying that basically... God goes through different modes, and it's saying that sometimes he operates as Father, sometimes as Son, sometimes as Holy Spirit, but he He is this God who operates in different modes, but he's never two or three of them. He's always just one of them, just operating differently, um, and so, okay, so I would say to answer the question in one sense, so the question is, does that, that view of the Trinity just disqualify someone as a believer? I would say in one sense, no, and in another sense, yes. And in the sense of no, I would say it doesn't necessarily disqualify in this, in this way, that there are many new believers or even not so new believers with wrong views of God's triunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times that's just out of ignorance, just meaning just haven't been explained. It just hasn't been explained to them. And so they've latched on to a view that just isn't biblical. Okay, well, that's one thing. Um, n- no one has explained it to them and, and what we can actually know from Scripture. Because anytime we talk about the triunity of God, the Trinity, we absolutely come to a point where we have to say, we, we can't fully comprehend it. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that there's nothing we can know. There, there absolutely is some things we can know that the, that the Scripture gives us. And so as much as we can know, we should, we should want to know. Okay, and then on the yes side of does this disqualify someone as a, as a believer, I would say it might in the sense that if someone is unwilling to adjust their view of the Trinity to the biblical text. Um, and scripture is not in favor of modalism. It just isn't. Uh, I mean, we, we see clearly in at different times, probably the most clearly at Jesus baptism, when you've got all three persons of the Trinity operating clearly at exactly, the, at same exactly time. the same moment and are not, I mean, they are distinct persons. Um, all in the same moment, um, because you've got the father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You've got the son actually being baptized. You've got the spirit descending on the son like a dove. Um, and, and so the Bible, and that's not the only thing, but that's just really, really clear. So the Bible is not in favor of mobile modalism. Um, Bible's in favor of three, God being eternally three persons, always has been, always will be. Um, it, it wasn't like there was the Father, and then, then there was the Father and the Son when Jesus was born, and then there was the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Eternally three persons, always has been, even before the foundation of the world. Okay, so um, in the sense that if someone was unwilling to adjust their view according to Scripture, 
yeah, that's a problem. Um, and, and that person, we really would want to try to work with that person and just say, okay, why would you not want to just follow the scripture? Um, that there might be a, a bigger issue there. That's good. The son is begotten of the father. Mm-hmm. There is one being one God, three distinct persons, as you said, a while ago, yeah. Daniel, and the son was begotten from the father and the spirit proceeds from the father, mm-hmm. three distinct persons. And they're, they're not operating as well. I, if I, I if I'm father, I can't be son. And that's, mm-hmm. Again, as if what we're I'm just repeating it, that's antithetical to what the scripture teaches. When we see that God the Father, it is the fullness of the Father. Mm-hmm. At the same time that the Son is dying on the cross for our sins, that is the fullness of God dwelling in Him, the fullness of the Son. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. And where where this makes my brain explode, but I think in a in a good way, uh, is when you know. And sometimes you'll even see a little diagram that to me is helpful. But but the idea that so the Father is fully God, the Son is fully God, the Spirit is fully God. Okay, when we're all like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, you could say all three of those things and stay with modalism. But then when you have to also admit that the scripture says the father is not the son and the son is not the spirit and the spirit is not the father. Okay. Like, I mean, I admit that is amazing. And, Mm -hmm. and, but that is what the scripture gives us. We don't, we don't believe in the Trinity because it is easy, but just because it's what God has revealed about himself from the scripture. That's right. It is, it is evidence that there are things that are above us. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the much as, as many times as I've heard people try to take a physical illustration, yeah. it, it's, it's going to fall apart at some point. At some right. point, yeah. And I think all of that comes back to remind us that, uh, that everything physical is a created thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's always going to be difficult, if not impossible for us to comprehend the fullness of God in physical terms. You know, yeah. we're always something like I said, something's always going to fall short in our attempts to describe the existence of God, who God is. Mm-hmm. But yet God does try to relate to us because we are finite created beings and God tries to explain himself in ways that we can try to to comprehend and so and and he does that through scripture mm-hmm. and so we go to scripture for our understanding of God we can't try we can't try to make God fit into our limited understanding right. we can't try to interpret God through our sense of of knowledge or experience we always have to try to understand our knowledge and experience through God. Yeah. And that's the way we discover truth. And sometimes, sometimes the answer to that pursuit of trying to understand things through God's eyes is just a, you know, there's, there are secret things that belong to God. And for now we just have to be okay with seeing things uh, without total clarity. Someday we'll see clearly, but right now, Things are still a little bit of a shadow. Yeah, no, that's good. And I just, I'll just end with uh, 
just so there's clarity for folks when they may hear probably the most common illustration of modalism from nature is H2O. Right. And so people will say, well, you know, it can be uh, a solid or it could be a liquid or it could be a gas. And that's like God. Um, but it's not because any molecule of H2O can only be one of those things at a time. Right. And that actually is a picture of modalism. That's just not a picture of what we have in scripture. Well, it's a good point, Daniel. And, and guys, uh, we always got to remember Genesis chapter one from the beginning in the beginning, Elohim plural, let us make man in our own image. All three were functioning. That's mm-hmm. right. It wasn't mm-hmm. one was functioning at a time. Yeah, All three right. were functioning this morning. Uh, we, we read a statement, the glory of pottery, uh, Glory be to God the Father, glory be to God the Son, glory be to God the Spirit, ever three and ever one. Mm-hmm. And that that's just that's a beautiful way of remembering it for me. It's not it's poetic, which helps me to remember it, yeah. but ever three. There are three distinct persons, but ever one, one being. What an awesome God. Amen. So folks out there, let me break this down for you where you can understand it. If you have a high school degree from Seminole, um, you're going to need to ask Daniel Snow for a definition. That's what I found here is that for me to understand these terms, I'm going to have to go to Daniel. So folks, that's, that is a great tool to always remember. That's right. Our challenge will be to use the word modalism in a sentence this week. Find a way. Find a way, kids. Oh, okay. So Jeremy Johnson, despite that last comment, thank you for (laughs) producing this podcast. And thanks to you guys who listen and and make time for it. Remember, you can subscribe or rate or share, and maybe that would help someone else. You just can't fax. That's right. Do not fax, please. (laughs) Uh, And until next time, just remember, the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.